Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi. Hi, Kim. How are you? Good. I don't see you yet. You're not, I don't see your photo yet. Start video. Got it. Oh, hey. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. Why aren't you in a bikini? I thought I'd be seeing you in a bikini. I think the reception would not have been as good. <laughs> no, the reception would have been. Oh my God. Hi, Chloe. She I... finally got a haircut. Did she lift her up again? <laughs> Chloe is Kim's dog. It's a beautiful, beautiful poodle, brown, fluffy. I think it's the only dog my daughter Grayson has ever embraced and touched and then lifted and carried around. Right. And Penelope. She loves Penelope. And she likes Penelope too. And you're you're a Penelope team as well. I'm both. I mean, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really, I didn't grow up with dogs, so I was never really around them enough to like love them, but I do like dogs. I'm just not demonstrative with them, but your dogs were cool because what I love about your dogs is they can't be bothered with anyone. They're so snobby. It's like all they do is follow (laughs) you around the beach. I love that. You know, they're, some, snobby. they're loving. They just love their mom so much. <laughs> I don't blame them. I wish my viewers, I wish my listeners could see what you look like. They would love you too. I mean, okay. So I want to get to who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Kim Bruno. She was actually discovered by my son Gunner while he was kayaking with Brad in Miami. They were in the ocean and he came running to me on the lounge chair and said, daddy, I have somebody for your podcast. And I'm like, okay, Gunnar. Okay. And then of course I got to meet you and you know, you would think that you were a swimsuit model. I mean, that's what you would think by looking at you on the beach, but actually you're a certified diver. You're in, you're an environmentalist and an animal rights activist. And what's incredible to me is that you're able to do all of these things because you're so successful in the real estate business with companies such as L'Espace Projet. Projet. Can you say you say it prettier? You say it prettier. Say it. L'Espace Projet. L'Espace Projet. We should tell people that you are from Canada. You speak French. Would you speak other languages as well? No. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I understand a little bit of Spanish because I think it's kind of mandatory, especially here in Miami, but, uh, but yeah, French and English. Right. But yeah. So you say these things much, much nicer than I do. Uh, you're also such a philanthropist with organizations such as beauties and the beast, but say it in French for us. Uh, Les belles et les bêtes. Les belles et les bêtes. Yes. And there's also another organization that you work with 2159. Can you say that also? It's. I'm paraphrasing. What? Wait, you just cut out. Say it again. Le 21-59. Okay, great. Whatever that is. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so what I love about the Beauties and the Beast organization is that, from what I understand, is that you collect money from people and then you distribute it to other charities that need the money. Exactly. So one of my strengths in life is being a good salesperson. Um, I work in sales. I work in real estate. I've always been very outspoken and outgoing. And I find that in charity uh, work, the hardest thing to do is to raise funds. Um, as you know, obviously, right? So we it's, it's often easier to find people to help and putting the work than to actually get the money for it. So I figured, you know, being in real estate and being involved in so many um, companies and charities and being somewhat of a socialite, um, I have access to um, people that are wealthy, people that are connected. And I figured, you know, what's the point of having all these connections and knowing all these people, if, you know, what, to, to drop names, you know, what's the point of it to do business? Yes, of course. But, you know, what's a higher purpose for it? So I decided to create an organism that would collect funds that would, you know, I I will ask companies, I will ask people, I will throw events, big ones, small ones, I'll do auction, I'll do raffles, I'll do anything really to raise money. And then once I collect that money, um, I have a selection of a few uh, organizations that I've hand selected, I've visited, I go see what their needs are, Um, I establish whether it's renovations, uh, whether it's food, whether it's equipment, whatever they need, and then I'll set a money goal for that. And then I'll reach and I'll make sure the money is spent that way. And one thing that I'm proud of my foundation is everybody um, is working on a voluntary basis. We keep 0%. So it's not like there's administration fee or accounting fees. I pay those myself. 
Uh, so person. 100% of the money that you collect goes to the charities and any additional money that needs to be spent, you take it out of your own pocket. Exactly. So whatever is uh, the needs of the foundations are covered by me and uh, and everything else is given to the right people. And the thing is, you know, when you, people are working like you and me, we have busy schedule. Um, the problem is I don't have the time to put in, you know, the way they do it with either the kids or the animals or whoever I raise funds for. These people devote their life 24 seven and I have so much admiration you know, for them to do so, but I don't have the time, but I want to make sure that, uh, when I leave this world, I leave a nice trace behind me and financing is definitely a very important part of any charity. So, um, I feel like we're doing a good job. You are. So she said something that's very important because, you know, one of my questions is why, why are you doing all these wonderful things? Not that you shouldn't be doing it, but you're still a very young woman that, you know, I know you've done modeling. I know that you are muse for some of the artists. We went out to dinner and I've seen the videos that you've done. You've have so much on your plate. You're so successful in the real estate business. And, you know, if I can go on a personal note, because we, as I said, bonded over this trip and went out to dinner, you want to have a child. Yeah. And you're not in a relationship and you've adopted a young teen. I mean, she's, I mean, essentially a teenager. So, I mean, as a single woman, there is so much on your plate, but yet you said something so profound is that you want to leave your footprint when you yeah. leave this earth. So when I was young, I did not have a very nice childhood growing up. My father was an alcoholic um, I had severe anxiety by age seven, I would mutilate myself. And that um, obviously transpired through high school, I got kicked out of three high schools, I was tattooed and pierced at 14, I had red hair, I ran away, I got DUIs, you know, I got into more trouble into more hospitals than anybody should, right? I mean, you sound like fun, but for a kid, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I might've wanted to hang out with you when I was young, yeah, but anyway. Definitely. It was, <laughs> yes. it was very entertaining. Um, but then, you know, then somebody lent me a hand one day and my mom was there to support me all along. She raised me and my brother along, uh, alone, sorry. <clears throat> and, and then somebody told me, you know, um, you're better than this and you have so much potential and there's so many things that you can do if you saw in you the potential that I see in you. And, you know, with a lot of help, I managed to uh, push through and just get right back on track and do, you know, everything I wanted to do for myself and build myself a career and a reputation. And the thing is, I know that sometimes there's so many, so many kids in this situation and all they need is a hand. And that can save a life, you know, and knowing firsthand the power of that, I want to be able to give that to other people. Um, I was bullied since I was a kid. I was bullied because of my anxiety. I was bullied for my parent, my dad. I was bullied for, you know, my different looks for, you know, whatever reasons all my life, even nowadays on social media, because people do that, you know, and I just, I feel bad for everybody that doesn't have the strength that I have. And sometimes it's just, they have that strength. They just don't have the tool to get there. So when I had, um, an opportunity. Obviously, I'm involved. Le 21 Secondef is an organization that helps kids from the street 15 to 25. Um, so I'm involved with them. I do renos. I'll do publicity for them, try to you know raise funds uh, and awareness, of course. It's to keep kids off of the streets from prostitution, homelessness, um, obviously delinquency and all these things. I work with the Montreal Children's Hospital because you know the children that are sick, I think that that's something that's really touching. And the animals is because animals have saved my life as a kid. My dog was my go-to, my best friend when I had no friends in school and I was being bullied by my own dad, then, you know, she was everything that I had. So for me, it's all about giving back. And uh, so can I ask you a question that sounds so superficial? Were you not as beautiful then as you are now? Why were you being bullied? Um, when I was young, I looked a bit Asian. And I was in a, like an all white school. And I remember like guys would chase me and call me the little Chinese and beat me up with sticks and things like that. Um, and then as I grew older, it's just, you know, in high school, there's mean kids. One week I was popular, the other week I wasn't. And then, you know, it just, it, it's, it's rough. And then when you start being pretty, because you're, you're saying being beautiful, I think, you know, um, yeah, I was a bit more awkward as a teenager probably than now. Right. But I think just being pretty, you get bullied just as much because 
Uh, yes, it's a different kind of bullying. Absolutely. It's a different kind of bullying, which I want to get to because I know you were bullied on social media um, doing a charity fund because you were dressed as, well, I'm not going to get to it later. I'm going to get to it now. So you were bullied on social media because uh, you did a charity event and you were dressed as an Indian, I guess. Can you tell the story? Yes. You were dressed um, as Pocahontas. And this was not because you were at a costume party and you know you were flaunting yourself. You were doing this at a benefit for charity for other people. Yes. So, so you I were basically it. sweating your ass off in Florida in a Pocahontas costume to I raise money. I was, in Canada. I was in Canada, but, but oh, yeah. you're in Canada sweating your ass off. Even if you aren't, let's just dramatize it for the people yeah. listening. Okay. So, so you were sweating your ass off in Canada in this costume to try to raise money and tell me how people bullied you. So it's a, I mean, it's, I, I understand, you know, everything, you know, protecting culture and things like that. But in this particular case, I was dressed as Pocahontas because um, I have uh, in my in the animals that I say we have, we're helping out um, a wildlife sanctuary. And I often have we have a vet hospital as well. So I often have little raccoons around. And I had this little raccoon that was handicapped in a wheelchair. And there was this little girl who was also handicapped in a wheelchair. So I organized an event for her to come to the wildlife sanctuary. And I dressed up as Pocahontas because Pocahontas in the movie, she has a raccoon. And I showed up, you know, with a little raccoon in a wheelchair. And I thought it was so cute and she was touched and she loved it and they bonded. Uh, but then obviously I got attacked on social media after saying, you know, I was a disgrace and Pocahontas is a whore and, you know, and everything that comes with it. And um, obviously I deleted the pictures and I had to say sorry. Um, but yeah, and you did. And you actually said sorry, which surprises me. So what do you, so it's funny, we had this conversation too. I mean, for the people listening, we did go out. I had a great conversation with your mom, Celine, who is a wonderful woman. And she was so ahead of her time. Um, just to take a, a quick story, you know, while you were talking to Brad and the other people, I was having a great conversation with your mom and your mom did something very progressive back then. And what she did was that she had a child without getting married, which was very frowned upon back then, but she, she did it. And, you know, it was so frowned upon, but yet, you know, what we try to teach our kids, it's, it's better, you know, you get married, then you have kids. But ironically, it worked to your mom's advantage because your dad was an alcoholic. And from what I understand, he was also abusive. Yeah. And when she finally got rid of him, it was your mom who owned the house. It was your mom's money that had everything. Had she been married to him, he would have probably, not probably, he would have divorced your mom, made you sell the house and take half of everything. I think what saved your life and your mom's life and your brother's life was the fact that in some way the universe was looking over your mom and she just never married him. She was able to kick him out before he could do any more harm to her children. I mean, that to me was fascinating talking to your mom because, you know, She's no, you know, youngster. She's not our age. She's a mom. Yeah. She's a, of a generation that didn't do stuff like that, but yet the universe did protect her. So I just wanted to throw that in. I think um, that all the women in my family have been, uh, I mean, I, I, little trailblazers, if I can say that. Uh, my grandma, you know, who would have been very, very old now, she married 15 years younger than her, which was even more frowned upon at that time. Wow. And then she had her seven kids. And then, you know, my mom was like that. And then she raised us alone. But if I'm looking at all my cousins and the way that we were all raised, all of them are businesswomen, they're vets, dentists, they're business owners, they have stores. Um, every woman in my family has been incredibly strong and independent. And it's something that, you know, I wish all women could do. It's not always easy, uh, but we've had great role models and support. And I, I think. And you really do it. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, um, you wouldn't let us pay for anything. I mean, you went kayaking with my kids, uh, I think a second or a third time, and you wouldn't let me pay for anything. We finally took you out to dinner. And then I found out from Brad that you gave him money. So like you really, when you talk about being independent women, you really, you know, you stick by it. I, I feel like you're the real deal. You really care about people. Do you want to tell the story of how you met Gunner and Brad, because uh, I got the story and I'm going to tell you his, ver I'm going to tell you Gunner's version of the story, but you tell me your version of the story. Yeah. How did so you meet them? I was, um, it was a morning where, I don't know, I was a bit bored of being just on the beach and getting some sun in. And I'm, I'm a water baby. I love, I'm a Leo sign. I'm a fire, but water is my element. And 
I brought here my free diving gear. And unfortunately, I mean, this part of Florida, South Beach is definitely not for free diving. But that day I was like, well, you know what? Let me take the fins and I'll go away from the shore and I'll see if I can find I don't know, a treasure or if I can see a nice fish or just something different. So I swam with my super long fins really, really far, like further than where people swim, where the boats are. And I was just diving to the bottom of the ocean. And suddenly I found like a sand dollar, um, which had a, a sand dollar. I think you got cut off for a second. So I want to just reiterate, yeah. you found a sand dollar. Can you explain sand to people dollar? what a sand dollar is? Okay. It's in the sea urchin family, but it's like flat and it doesn't really have any spines, but underneath it looks like a, it, like a circle in the middle, it has a star and underneath they have thousands and thousands of little feet that just wiggle around at the bottom of the ocean. And then on it was a baby crab, like a little white baby crab, which I thought was super cute. And so I took it out of the water just for a couple of minutes to see it. And obviously I was going to put it back after. And, uh, and then I saw a kayak and there was Gunner and your husband and they just looked so cute. And I thought, Oh, maybe the kid would like to see something like a sand dollar and a baby crab. So I just swam back underwater and then I popped next to the kayak and I was like, hi guys. <laughs> And I said, do you want to see something cool? And then I showed them the sand dollar and we took the baby crab and we put it on the boat and then back in the water. And uh, that's how I met your guys. Okay. So now the story that I got from Gunnar when he ran over to me was that there was a um, uh, mermaid that swam up to the kayak and came right up <laughs> and saw these big, beautiful green eyes and long dark hair and handed him this sand dollar. And he couldn't stop talking about you. And of course, you know, he went back to play with you later on. And that evening we, you know, went to bed and in the morning, the first thing he said was, are we going to see Kim today? And that was the first thing he said. So yeah, according to um, Gunner, it was that he really felt like he met a mermaid. You had the big fins on. And I guess when you went back into the water, you went head first and your fins were like sticking yeah. out of the water. I, I, I did it on purpose to flip in my beautiful, flashy little fins. <laughs> well, you're smart. You're smart. And what I loved also is the fact that even when you came back from the water, we were actually at that point talking to your mom and you were just bringing plastic out of the ocean and just dropping it, which is what I love because we kind of do the same thing. And I always teach my kids when we were on the beach um, in New Jersey, if you see stuff by the ocean, just pull it, bring it in. We have a garbage bag and, you know, we throw it away. I don't like plastic going into the ocean. I actually even told you all their toys are toys that were left on the beach, mm -hmm. you know, pails remember, and shovels. Yeah. And that's something you hate getting a bunch of toys. So I don't like, yes, I don't like toys. And I talk about it on the podcast. I've had the minimalist podcast on. I forgot her name. She was wonderful. I always say we go to the dentist. They want to give us stuff. I'm like, please, please don't give us any more plastic, no more junk. But you know, it's funny. You're on that same page and um, wait till you have a child because it's all your anxiety is going to be peaked again. And, and one of the things that I was able to find that day uh, or the next day maybe and show uh, Gunnar and Grayson is, you know, obviously plastic in the ocean kills animals, but it takes, you know, hundreds of years to, or if they even ever disappear. And I found um, it was a cap of a bottle that had been there for so long that there was coral on it that grew on it. Then I showed the kids and I was like, you know, some fish or turtles or other animals can eat the corals. So they'll digest a coral, but they won't digest a plastic and they can die from it. So it's the importance of it. And, you know, I was explaining to you guys that I've been traveling the last year with COVID, my plans have changed and I'm trying to have a child and I had to do IVF and I tried in different countries and different settings. And one of the things that have shocked me through my travel is, you know, in Canada, we're we're trying to be eco-friendly, but then, you know, I got to Mexico and they don't even recycle over there. The Bahamas, they don't recycle over there. I got to Miami and the amount of plastic bags and grocery stores and things like that, it was shock, but they banned straws, but it was shocking to me that, you know, it's 2021 and we're all very aware of what's going on. And I think the United States are about like three or 4% of the whole world population, but they pollute like 30 or 40% of it. So I think yeah. like, it, you, you know, it's something that we should really, you know, look into. So it's teaching our kids, it's teaching the future generations. And as far as the ocean, there's this uh, very famous diver 
uh, Jacques Cousteau, French world-renowned diver. I even know who that is. Exactly. So he once said something along the lines of, we protect what we love, but we love what we know. So if you don't know, then you just, you know, you won't make that effort. And it's the same for the ocean. It's the same for the environment. You know, you said I'm an environmentalist or an activist. I'm not the kind of activist or environmentalist that'll shove, you know, or, or give you, um, you know, or I won't. You don't preach. I know you don't preach and I, I know you're not an angry person. No. You're a very non-judgmental um, exactly. person that just cares about the environment, which is what I respect. All, all I do is, you know, educate, but I don't do it in an overly pushy way where people get tired of hearing about it or tired or, or if they feel attacked, I feel like it works with some people, but that's not the way that I want to educate my children or the people around me. I'm just like, listen, this is the information that I know. I'm just giving you a little bit of it. If it inspires you, you know, look into it or you know, start ma making little changes that in the future and the future generations will thank you for. Yeah, you're definitely very gracious because I know I tried to push your buttons. I tried to push your buttons like, I don't know, either through politics or, you know, we, we, when you told me the Pocahontas story, I think I went, you know, I went wild on that whole, you know, political correctness, which I hate. And, um, you know, yeah. you remain gracious and lovely and um, you remind me of- Very, a, very Canadian. <laughs> is that a Canadian thing? It's a Canadian thing? Well, uh, I think- I think before we used to say she's very Switzerland and I think now Canadian can be the right word. The right word. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the television show, Will and Grace. Did you ever see that television yeah. show? Okay. I, I was hooked on that because there was no political correctness in that, in that show. They said everything, did everything. And that's what I love. And I still watch it to this day. There was one episode with, with Nicolette Sheridan from, you remember Desperate Housewife? She yeah, was the gorgeous yeah. blonde. Anyway, Grace, the main character, her husband is going away with this doctor who belongs to Doctors Without Borders. And they're going to somewhere in Africa to save lives. And he's going with this Dr. Morty, you know, this old Jewish guy. And her husband's traveling with him. And, you know, she's sending him off, you know. She's fine with it. Dr. Morty walks in and it's actually Nicolette Sheridan in a white pantsuit. She's wearing this skin tight white pantsuit with a vest, not even a blazer, a vest and white pants and absolutely gorgeous. And she turns around, she goes, you're Dr. Morty. So they leave. And, you know, of course, all her friends are like, he's going away with that. And she saves lives. That's what it reminds me of when, when I met you. I'm like, because you the way you look is not necessarily the way you are, which leads me to something else. Why are you single? I mean, how are you still single? I mean, I, I know you're doing IVF to have a child, but yeah. you know, maybe you can give people some tips. I mean, you know, is it that you don't want to get married? You don't want to meet someone? How is this possible? I mean, I, I asked your mom that. And, you know, I want to hear what you have to say. Yes. So, no, it has. Um, the thing is, I think that happiness comes from within. And I know it could sound cheesy, um, but I've been through so much in my life that at a very young age, I've, you know, I've learned to rely on myself to be happy. And it took me, I got to say, it took me a long time to get there. Um, but for me, my happiness doesn't revolve around having a boyfriend or a husband. It doesn't, it doesn't even revolve around me having a kid. Like, you know, I'm trying really hard to go through IVF because I have diminished ovarian reserve and, and problems to have children. So this is my only chance and last chance. Of course, preferably I would have, you know, had the perfect relationship and have done it in a more natural way, but that wasn't in the card for me. And this is my last year of being able to try. That being said, I'm trying, I'm doing everything that I can, just like I do in every other aspect of my life. And it does, if it doesn't work and if I don't have a child, I'm not going to be sad about it. Of course, I'll be disappointed. Of course, I'll be sad and I'm going to live that emotion, but it won't dictate my future or my happiness. And it's the same for people. So I've been in relationships for many years, um, but I'm as happy single as I am in a relationship. I think they both have negative and positive. But the thing with me is, you know, I'm, I travel, I'm with my mom, I'm well surrounded, I'm happy, I'm busy, I'm working, I have my dogs. Um, there's so many ways you can get love and affection and attention and companionship that for me, it doesn't necessarily have to be with a significant other. Now, of course, I'd love to meet somebody and hopefully it, it happens, but if it doesn't happen, I'll be just as happy. Trust me. I do trust you. I actually believe you, but I want to ask you a personal question. How did you know that, um, it was difficult for you to have 
a child? How did you know at such a young age that you were going to have this issue? Can you explain what it is again of how you, of why you need to do IVF? Yeah. So basically um, I was coming out of a relationship and I was 20, 32, sorry. And the thing is, I think that we don't teach this to women in school. It's, it's a subject that we should bring up or that everybody should know that a woman around 30 to 34 should get tested to see what her options are. Cause unfortunately it's a very, very common problem now. And you know, there are many underlying causes, but we can't really put our fingers on it. Um, but I have diminished ovarian reserve, meaning when a woman is born, she has all her eggs, not like a chicken Well, she'll make one every month. Right. So right. every month we lose, you know, when you're young, it's millions of eggs. And then it's, hundreds, thousands of eggs to thousands of eggs. And then the day you don't have eggs anymore, you have menopause. So at 32, when I was separated, um, I was separating, sorry, I had met somebody, but you know, I didn't think that he was going to be the one. And I thought to myself, well, you know, this could take a while. It could take a while before I meet the right person. Right. And then time's going to pass me by and then maybe it's going to be too late. So I thought I'm going to freeze my eggs. Why not? So, but I didn't know anybody who had done it. I didn't know who to ask or what to do. So I went to the clinic and then they said, okay, you have to do a couple of tests. And after the test, they came back and they said, you have low ovarian reserve. And I said, well, who cares? Freeze my eggs. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> and they said, uh, well, the problem is that with you, it's going to take like three or four procedures of egg freezing for you in order to get, let's say 20 eggs frozen, which is the right number. If you want to have one child, I said, uh, yeah, no problem. Let's do it. And then it turns out it was a bit harder than expected, uh, longer, harder on me, but I managed to collect my 20 eggs and I froze them. And then when COVID happened, in the very beginning of it, I had been helping a little girl for a while, which I told you I ended up um, adopting. So she, you know, had um, a mom that was a prostitute on welfare with mental diseases. Um, and then her father tried to kill her. So he was removed from um, the family uh, unit, of course. And, and so how did you how did you meet her? What's her name again? Marie, Marie Ange. Yes. Is that her name? The girl you adopted? Yeah. Mary Angels. So Mary Angels. Uh, yes. Mary had reached out on social media because so social media, you know, a lot of people trash social media, but for me, it's been such a blessing for my charities to raise money, but also to meet amazing people. So she saw me in a video of an, of her favorite singer. So she reached out and she said, Oh, you know, I think you're beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. She saw I was doing work for animals. So, um, a bit later on, she asked if she could volunteer for the animals. I said, of course. So I got her in and I remember the singer telling me like, Oh, and other people like, uh, just be careful. We, you don't know her. Maybe she's a bit weird. And then I thought, no, she's just, you know, she's different, but I don't, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, and then one day I did a video to raise funds for, uh, the youth organization that I help. And I talked about my past, my dad, and then she reached out and she said, oh, my dad, you know, it's not in my life anymore. And then I knew something was up, you know, and I got closer to her and I started hanging out with her. I realized, you know, she only had like one friend and she invited me at her birthday and, and I was like, who's going to be there? And she was like, you. And I was like, what, your mom or anybody? And she was like, my grandma's going to come. So I organized a big surprise party with everybody in the foundation. And we bought her all kinds of gifts. We went disco bowling. And that night I was able to put her grandmother aside and say, hey, what's going on? You know, and then she told me everything. Like she was born 24 weeks on a respirator for three years. She had uh, open heart surgery. Her father suffocated her so much and he shook her. So she has shaken baby syndrome, which makes her to have uh, cognitive issues and slower in certain um, aspects. Um, but she's such a big heart, you know, like no anger, no, you know, she has pain, but she has no anger, no drugs, alcohol, boys. Like she just wants to be happy. She just wants to thrive. And with the COVID happening, obviously things escalated with her mom and it got out of hand. So uh, on one phone line, I had child protective services, but they were so busy and they were like, she's a bit older. So we're not going to go. We're just going to call. And then on the other hand, I had the police in her town on call. And then I had my social workers at the youth because center. Because she was in danger. She was yeah. in danger and you hadn't adopted her yet. So yeah. you knew she was in danger and you were trying to get her help. And it was so difficult for you to get yeah. help to her during COVID. Well, the, the day that I heard about her story, I bought her a car and I uh, paid for her driver's license. I got her a phone and I said, listen, I'm going to try to get you as independent as possible until the day that you can leave that house. 
because it's COVID, uh, the courts are back ordered. I don't know how long it's going to take and you're a bit older. So your case is going to go under the pile. This is how it works here. So I was like, I'll put all the tools in your hand to, you know, be independent, be able to call me, be able to run away, be able to do this and that. I'm like, you're always going to have a home here, but it escalated too quickly. And then uh, at some point we had to send the police over. They took her, they brought her to my house. She moved in with me and there I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm living with a teenager uh, full of anxiety. And, you know, she and had- this is at the same time that you're freezing your eggs. You're trying to have a baby, which I still want to get back to, but I want you to finish this. So when did you wind up adopting her? Well, so, well, she moved in with me and uh-huh. then, um, it was super hard because, you know, she hadn't been to the dentist in eight years or she's never been to an eye doctor. She needed classes. She needed dental work. She had no clothes. She had not a single item. She didn't know how to cook clean. So let me guess, let me guess her father paid. He sent you the money. Her father sent you the money. Of course I know. I love <laughs> that you're laughing. Yeah, of course her father sent the money for the glasses, the braces. No, no, no so, I took care of it. And uh, took, of course you took care of it because you didn't have enough on your plate. But the social media actually really helped me without telling her story because I didn't want to put any pressure on her. You know, again, I go back to modeling, you know, I modeled for big companies and being in real estate, I've met many wealthy people. So, you know, I can do so much myself, you know, so I called the president of, you know, this big sports uh, store. They have many stores, but they were all closed for COVID. They opened for us. They said, go get everything you want. Another clothing store. They said the same thing. We'll open your store. Just ravish through it. Take everything you want. Uh, I had people sending other companies sent shoes and watches and glasses and, and purses and winter jackets and everything. Like we rebuilt her life from, uh, from scratch really. And then, um, and then we just worked through, it was a legal, I had to hire lawyers to go against her mom. Like she had no social insurance. We had no birth certificate, no Medicare. We had nothing for her. So it was a really, really long battle getting her into a new school and then, you know, being bullied in that new school because she was a new girl. She had no friends. So it's just been like, but you did uh, it. What's crazy is that you did it and you took a girl that really needed it. A girl that was abused, a girl that was not really well, a hundred percent. She really was lost, you know, and you took her in, which leads me to a question. What advice can you give to people and to children or youths that, that are lost or depressed? Is there any advice that you can give to them that you can help them with? And then I want you to give advice on should, then I need you to give advice to me on what you think I should be wearing for next, you know, spring, summer. No, I'm kidding. No, no. I want you to tell people about, about the drying of the eggs and, you know, for, for women that are out there that are contemplating freezing their eggs. Well, let's get to one thing at a time. First, first let's get back to the eggs. I want to finish that thing because, you know, to me, it's so interesting that such a young woman who had no idea, I mean, you're lucky that you even found out through the doctors that, you know, your eggs are decreasing and decreasing. So now I know women in their forties that now want to freeze their eggs. There's no guarantee that they might even have any good eggs. It's, it's, it's late for that for sure. But, but for me, so I had frozen my eggs, right? I had 20 eggs when I had the girl living with me. I also had that summer, um, five baby raccoons that I was bottle feeding and I had three squirrels that I was uh, feeding with the syringe and my two dogs. So that's when that summer I was like, listen, if I can take care of these 11 little beings and thank God at that point also, you know what helped it was COVID. So I was kind of off of work at that point, but I was still getting paid full salary. So it really didn't, you know, change much in my life. So So you were, so you were getting paid. So that's good. At least you were getting the same salary and you had the time and God forbid you should use it for yourself. Well, yeah, you, you no, shared I shared it with it. We shared it with the raccoons, with this young girl and yeah. with everybody else. Not like me. Well, I'd be in my room eating bonbons or something, ice cream and watching TV. Somebody figured, you know, it's COVID and staying at home, relaxing was fun for two weeks. But after that, I'm like, what can I do? There's people dying. There's families starving. People are losing their jobs. So I went to work at the food bank instead. And I, every, every Friday uh, I made meals and we distributed them. And then every other day I raised money for another food bank. I think that that was very important. Um, But yeah, that summer with the kid and the raccoons and a squirrel and a dog, I was like, okay, I'm ready to have my own kid on my own. It's fine. Like I don't, I'm not going to wait for um, the right person to be right next to me to be two parent physically at home to take care of a kid. Um, It can come later. So 
then I, I said, okay, whatever. This was in August. And I said, uh, for Christmas, I'm going to go. And uh, I didn't like the clinic that I was at. So I decided to transfer my eggs. And unfortunately, uh, during the transport is when my eggs all uh, died. Um, so that was super, super heartbreaking. Um, we don't know what happened. The transport was supposed to be seven days and then ended up being over three weeks. They blamed it on COVID. So you had and to I do the whole thing again. But the you problem is the process. Yes, yeah. but when you have DOR every year, really, really, really makes a difference. So, Say that again. When you have DOR, yeah, the diminished ovarian reserve. Okay. So now I have even less eggs than I had at thirty-two, obviously, and less quality. So um, that month, I know, I know, it's, obviously, it was COVID, and I wanted to keep busy, so I decided to do a charity and redo an entire floor of a youth center with like bathrooms and stuff. So. I got the news in the middle of the renovation, but I was working 12 to 16 hours a day there. You know, I, I saw the video to that and people should go see the video. Where can they see the video? Say it, tell them now. Where can uh, they see on the my video? Social media. On, on, uh, her, on, on my Instagram. Yeah. What's your Instagram handle? It's Kim Bruno, K-I-M-B-R-U-N-E-A-U. Okay, because I saw the video to that and they take people who were on the streets, kids that might have been selling their bodies, kids that were on drugs, kids that were abandoned, and they're living in and it's funny because years ago I used to say that I wanted to do that like with all the be beautiful buildings in the city, I'd love to own a building and just, you know, put doctors, psychiatrists and, you know, people that can help children. You know, of course that was in my brain and a big dream. You know, I mean, but that was something that I dreamed of doing and you actually did it and you made it Lovely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I saw the renovations you did. You gave them, you know, the little bit of luxuries that they probably thought they would never have in life. And you probably didn't hire the priests or I'm sorry, or anyone that would, you know, possibly molest them. I'm not saying that, you know, priests molest, but I'm just saying, you know, it's you, you put them in a safe environment is what I'm saying. You put them in a safe environment. But the, the pastor of the church was there and he did the renovations with me. But um, the good thing about that renovations is every year I try to do a rental project for a charity. And because I work in new construction real estate, then I have access to so many suppliers. So I can never afford to give that kind of renovation. Even if I raise money, I don't think I could be able to raise that much. So, you know, to have the tiles given to you, to have the toilets and the vanities and the mirrors and to have the paint given to you and all these things after that is just finding the labor. And one thing that I'm very big on is, you know, everything I do is by example. I live by example. I would never ask somebody to come paint. I'm going to go paint and please come paint with me. I'm going to go install tiles. Please come help me. And that's how I do my charity work. It's so, not just like walking people around and asking for stuff. Like I, what do I love it. is that yeah, you do it. You use your connections for other people. Yeah. That's what I love. I want to know what advice you can give to girls or women in their thirties or forties that, you know, have no idea that maybe they might not have as many eggs or their eggs are drying up. Is there anything you can do at home? Is there a test or do you have to go to a doctor to find this out? Or do you think people, if they're contemplating it, they should go I immediately. Have to go just to a doctor. Um, I don't know how it works in the I, I think Wait, you just cut out. I'm sorry. Repeat what you just said. Cause it just cut out. Yeah, my internet is terrible here. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I think that women, as soon as they're about 32, every woman should go to a doctor and say, I'm contemplating freezing my eggs. I'd like to know where I stand. And then they'll ask you to do four things. There is a blood test, regular blood test, just to see if your health is okay. Uh, there's a regular pap test just to make sure everything's okay. And then during day two to four of your period, they'll do uh, another blood test for your hormone levels and they'll do an intravaginal uh, ultrasound to see uh, your reserve. With that, you should be able to know where you stand. The thing is, and I've, I've noticed when I shared my journey on social media that not a lot of people actually know about this and are aware. And many people, many women wrote to me that they found out too late um, that they wish that they had done it, that they did, da, 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 but nobody talks about it. Women, you know, reached out to me and they were like, oh, I'm doing it right now, but you know, I'm ashamed. I haven't told my family, this is my only job or me and my husband, you know, separated because of this. And I'm just like, but it's not your fault. And it's something that we should talk about. It shouldn't be taboo. Um, we should be further educated about that. Um, you know, now in Quebec, they just made your first IVF free, which I think is amazing yeah. because these treatments are so expensive. pricey. Yes, they're expensive. Uh, 
So, so yeah. So what you're saying is that women, you're saying at 32, whether you're single or married and don't have kids yet, either way, whether you're dating, married or single, if you don't have any kids yet, you should go to a doctor to at least see where you stand before you take your time. If you want children, correct. If you know, you're going to want children. But even if you don't, here's the thing is a lot of us and a lot of my friends, I hear them, they don't want kids. And then one day they're 38 and they found the love of their life and now they want it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you know how life is going to go or how it's going to change. So I think in 95% of the cases, unless you're really like, you know, deep down inside that you never want to have kids, then just go. And it's not, uh, you know, in Quebec where we live, there's a way to do it completely free to the public system. Like really, there's no reason not to, you know, how do you, what do you, what differences do you see between, um, Quebec, Canada and, uh, the United States? Are there any real differences that you really, that are drastic? Uh, according to, do you mean in regards in to any way? I mean, well, I'm not talking about, um, health insurance because obviously, you know, in Canada, you all have free health insurance. It can work to people's advantages, but yet it could work to people's disadvantages. I have friends that have come from Canada to go to a doctor to get surgery for colon cancer because they're waiting online to get a colonoscopy for two years. So, you know, everyone has, can have a debate about it. You know, everyone's like, we should follow Canada. You know, me personally, no, not in that respect. So, you know, I, like the freedom of having to go to a doctor to go to, but you know, everyone's entitled to their own theory of what they want. But for you, tell me the differences, what works for you, what doesn't. In Canada right now, uh, there's a lot of private clinics for anything that you want. So, so you can go pay. Yeah, of course you pay. So you don't have to go through the public system. It's not an obligation. Um, I do most of my treatments private anyway. So um, it's really up to your choice at the end of the day and what you want to spend. I think that the system that we have in Canada, uh, as far as the social net that we offer our population is incredible because the thing is when everybody is taken care of, there's a lot less crime. There's a lot less people stealing. There's a lot less people killing. There's a lot less gangsterism. There's a lot less violence. There's a lot less hatred. So, you know, when you go to Canada, everybody is happy. Everybody's smiling. Everybody talks to each other. It's very multicultural. It's very open. And that's something that I love about my country is I've never not felt safe walking anywhere at night. I've never you know, had any issue with people or or problem except the little things. So it's a very, very safe country. It's a beautiful country. We have a lot of, you know, space, but personally, I'm not that big a fan of the cold. So (laughs) I kind of enjoy, I love the States because I think the States have as far as landscape and cities and, and, and oceans and views and mountains. I think you guys have everything. Um, it's just, it's like endless discovery here, which I think is amazing. Um, the environment is very different. Like, you know, like I was saying earlier, like the, you know, the way you guys use plastic bags and certain things, like it feels like, like it's a population that cares a little bit less. We're wasteful. We are very, we are a wasteful. And I don't know if it's just America because I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but I just find that it's wasteful. Yesterday I was buying snacks for the kids and I was buying coffee for for Brad and I, and I was just, they kept saying, do you want a bag? Do you want a bag? And I'm like, I'm just going to take the bag and throw it in the garbage. So I'm like, no, I don't need a bag. But meanwhile, I'm juggling all these things in my arms and the coffee drops out (laughs) and falls on the floor. And I'm thinking, just take a fucking bag. I mean, what is one bag going to do? But it annoys me because I have, we have tons of bags. Now they give cloth bags in New York city and they won't take them back because of COVID they won't take the bags back. So what do I do with these bags? And I keep forgetting, like, I, it's like, what do I do? I just keep them on me wherever I go. Well, I keep, you know, two or three. I know you do. You're perf- Listen, I can't go by you. You <laughs> are the perfection. You think ahead. You help other people. You help raccoons. You do everything. I don't even want to help myself. I pretend to be sick so Brad could serve me in bed. And so the kids could scratch my it. back. I'm it. terrible. You are a wonderful person. But I want to get back to, because I know how great you are with, with these charities and with kids. What advice can you give? to these kids that do feel abandoned or lost or that had abusive parents or alcoholic father or mother, what can, what, is there any advice you can give them or just 
seek out right. the nearest charity. I mean, what can you do? I mean, look at you, you, I mean, look how you turned out. You're so resilient and here you all look, look, here you are looking to help so many other people. I think that, you know, looking for help and support is the first thing that one should do because you won't be able to do it alone. And it gets really hard at times. And my other advice is probably something that nobody wants to hear, except especially, sorry, when they're in that situation, but don't be a victim. You're not a victim of what happened to you. You know, my father was an, was an alcoholic and it's not an excuse for me to be an alcoholic. My father was abusive and mean. It's not excuse an excuse for me to be bitter to other people or to hurt other people. Like use what happened to you as a lesson. Now I know that I'll never treat my children that way. Now I know that I never want to be an alcoholic. Now I know that I never want to talk. You don't even, you won't even drink. You didn't drink at all. You don't drink. Well, I I used used to drink, but you don't anymore. I know you told me you don't anymore. And your mom is like just a glass of wine. And you guys are very conservative when it comes to that. And, And it could be because of what you experienced. Am I right? A million percent, a million percent. Um, I think and going back to the help, seeking out help, there is help out there. I mean, there are people, whether it's charities or organizations, individual people want to help. People do want to help for the most part. For the most part. And the thing is, it's it's for, and for the people that help, like, let's say me, for example, I'll give. But I need to see from you that you're trying. I need to see from you that you're making an effort that you want to get out of it. If I give to you and I see that there's no progress, no interest, no nothing. I, I I won't continue, you know, like the person has to want to get out of there. And, and you know, this people, when we say people don't change, yes, they can change, but they'll change if they want to change, if they truly want to change. And that's not something that me helping you is going to do. It's something that you want to do, but you don't know how I'll help you. I'll bring you there. I'll give you the tools, but it has to come from you. And that's the thing that made me fall in love with Mary Angel is that she wanted out of that. She wanted better for herself and she wanted to focus on other things. And I was like, girl, you know, I didn't just spoil her. And that's the thing, like, you know, I was saying earlier, we got her all kinds of stuff. That's not really how it works. Uh, I told her the car, you're going to go work and you can only drive it once you have $2,000 in your bank account period. Cause that's going to pay for insurance and gas and things that you need. You know, I got her tutors at school when she was in high school. And then I said, if you finish school this year, your year is going to suck. I'm going to say, I'm going to have you being with a tutor three nights a week. This is going to be your entire life. It's going to be cool. But if you do pass school this year without summer classes, I'm going to send you to a private college and you're going to get the best education and you're going to do in the field. You're going to be in the field that you want to be, but you have to work for it. And these are the discussions that I'm having with her because I I don't want her to think that, oh, she's just going to pay for this or I'm just going to get this and that. No, when she, when she's sleeping in the house, I'm like, no, no, you clean, you know, your bathroom. And then if you have time, you're going to clean mine too. You know, like, this is how we work. Like if I cook, you cook too. I'll cook this one. You cook the next meal. Like let's work together. Let's learn from each other. We started training together. And I think that that's how you, you, you can't, you're never going to be their parent. Right. And you can't just spoil them, spoiling them because they didn't have enough money or things is not going to make up for, you know, the lack of parenting. You have to teach them to be independent. Independent. And and I always tell her this, what happens if I'm not there, you know, tomorrow, what are you going to do? You need to learn to work to, you know, provide for yourself and be independent. And it's also concerning for some people that are probably listening because they're probably thinking, you know, there are so many kids out there or people that want to scam the system that want to just not only scam the system, but take advantage of people, which is why you are so smart about it. Like you give and then you have to give me something back. And this is how you see if someone is serious and then you really don't mind. Like I really would never mind helping anybody that is serious about changing their life. I don't even mind helping a bum on the street, but that's a different thing. You give them a couple of dollars. I don't care. I'll never see you again. But when yeah. you're investing your time and money, you know, you want to see a return. Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, what I get out of it is that I'm proud and I know that I've helped somebody, but yeah, it's exactly like you said, you have to give something in return. Otherwise I'm gone. And it has happened. You know, they're not all success stories. I've tried helping people. Some people backstabbed me. Some people just took it and then they gave up in the middle of it, you know, and, and it doesn't always work. Right. But that doesn't mean you need to give up. No, you win some and you lose some. 
Exactly. So Kim, I'm curious. So where do you see all of this going in the next couple of years? I'm curious, where do you see yourself? Do you still see yourself living in the States here or are you going back to Canada? Do you see yourself, you know, expanding on these charities and organizations, collecting money still from people to try to raise money? Or, I mean, how is this going to pan out? You, you, it's, there's a very big possibility. You will have your own child. Oh, I will. I will. I know you will. And I bet the minute you do, you know, you're going to find then the person that you're going to want to have other children with, because that's usually how it works. So it's a, it's a funny question because I've, I've done business interview mostly before, and they always ask that question around the end of the interview, where do you see yourself in five years? And most people are like, oh, well, okay. I see you know, me having my business and running this and doing that or having the perfect family. And my answer is the same as it was yesterday. And five years ago, when they asked me in five years, I just want to be happy. And I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know where these are going. I'm not attached to living in Canada. I'm not attached to living anywhere. I can move to another country, start something new. And that's the thing. And the beauty of this world and, and being happy with myself is I know that I'm not attached to a, a place or a group or something um, when I left last year on my leap year, I thought leaving for two months, I had the most anxiety I've ever had because I thought what's going to happen to my charities, what's going to happen to my work, what's going to happen to my friends. And two months turned into five and uh, I didn't really miss them because because it's social media. You can keep connected through social media calls, FaceTime, people can visit you. And at the end of the day, uh, I raised, you know, yes, my foundation was in debt, but then it took me. 12 hours, I did an online media campaign and I raised, you know, an extra 10,000 on top of the 12 that I was missing. So I was like, all right, we're good. You know, everything can be done remotely. And that's one of the beautiful things I learned with COVID is, you know, I can live my life anywhere. I meet amazing people like you and your husband and the kids. I'm sociable. I'm happy. And I'll make my home anywhere. Like I'm not attached to anything. So the happy, the, the, the happiness is the key really. It's not your work. I can work. I work, I'm working in real estate, but to be honest, I'm good in sales. I could work in anything. I could start a business. I could start a restaurant. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be charity foundations. I could, you know, the, the ones that I have in Canada can be run by other people. I can start another one here. It doesn't, you know, I don't have liberating. Isn't it liberating? It's the best feeling in the world. It sounds liberating. I'm I, I'm jealous of that because you know you get you know tied to things, especially you know where your business is, where your family is, where your kids go to school, and you just kind of have this tie down feeling. And I love the fact that you're such a free spirit. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky because my mom travels with me a lot of the time, and I know that if I were to move, she'd come at least six months out of a year. I have my two incredible dogs. I have my friends that come visit. You know, so. Again, you know, I noticed, I noticed that wherever you are, I don't know about wherever I am, people that I don't think are going to follow me around. They don't want to hang out <laughs> with me that much, but I think wherever you are, your friends are going to follow you around. It For was funny sure. because, we, oh yes, I know. Because when we had plans to go out, you're like, do you mind if my friends meet us here? And then, you know, these other people, I'm like, not at all. The more, the merrier. And yeah. it's amazing. And I love the uh, videos that I saw of you. And I think people must follow Kim Bruno on her Instagram, and you'll see just absolutely beautiful, beautiful photos of you in the water, out of the water. And I think all the things that you're doing for the world, I don't even want to say for the country, for the, just for the world, is you're putting out such great things that I think when we do leave this earth, I mean, there's a good feeling of knowing that you've done something to leave it better for the next generation. And you know, um, about the traveling and all these pictures on Instagram. I think that when I was younger and I used to travel, I used to go to like an all-inclusive resort and, you know, just spend a week there and just pretty much stay there or do the excursion. And now what I'm, what I love doing is discovering countries and the beauties that they have to offer, whether it's on land or out of land. So me being in Florida, right now is discovering an entire new world and it's not you know it's funny because my friends back home are like oh we'll give you this good restaurant or this good nightclub and i'm like that's not what i want to know i want to go to the everglades i want to know where to dive i want to see what are the hidden treasures of this place you know the the little natural springs you have you know so i take my car and i drive a couple hours this way and a couple of hours that way and i try to discover like really cool places so i think that that's something that's so, um, 
I don't know if it's a word in English, but like enriching, it makes me feel richer. Enriched. It's you feel enriched. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Do you go on dating apps? Are you a dating app swipe left, swipe right kind of girl? Because I don't see it at all. I I could not even see you looking at a picture of a guy on a thing. Never happened. Uh, actually, never happened. No, no, wait, oh, wait, wait. Okay, okay. It's a good story. So it happened once. I was 23 or 24. I was coming out of a relationship and I thought, you know what? Maybe guys on a dating app are going to be more serious. Mind you, this is before Instagram. I'm 36 now. So we're talking like before Facebook, Instagram kind of thing. So I went on match.com and I thought, if I pay, guys are going to be more serious. Right. (laughs) Right. And then I finally meet like this one guy who seems interesting and we go on a date and I get there and he's at least 10 years older than his picture. And I'm like, guy, because I was 24. Right. So I wrote like my goal age was between, let's say, 25 and 35. And he was like 45. And I was like, a little bit old for me. You know, why did you lie? And he was like, well, because you would not have given me the time of day otherwise. But I'm like, there was a reason for it. Right. Right. And meanwhile, he's looking at you like I hit the jackpot because, you know, girls don't really. This is from what I see. And I don't know. I'm just generalizing. I don't think girls lie the way men lie. Men really lie. <laughs> about their age, from what I know, with a few As friends I know. You're going to see it in your face. <laughs> right, right. But girls are all there. But also, I don't see you as the kind of girl that even would put your um, bikini shots in photos. I mean, other than your Instagram, which you do, yeah. I don't think you'd ever use that. I don't think that you even realize. How attractive you are. I I don't think you even know how attractive you are. I mean, I see you with the goggles on your face. You come out of the water. You just take off the goggles. And it's like, you don't even know. Then you're trying to do cartwheels with my daughter. And I'm like, you know, you are amazing. I couldn't believe how great you are. Yeah, she's good. But I couldn't believe you're doing cartwheels. And it's just amazing. Um, Where are you going to be for Christmas, New Year's? I'm going to be with you guys. Are you still going to be at the same place, one? Uh, no, I'm, I moved to Midtown right now. I have a okay. great place with a private terrace and a spa. So you guys are obviously going to come here and say hi. And I did message your husband because I'd like mm-hmm. to surprise your kids for a little something on the 24th. But if you can't make it, it's fine. But you guys are going to have to discuss that after the show. Otherwise, I'm definitely going to... We will, but you know where... We, otherwise, what? I'm definitely going to spend some time with you on the beach. Good. I'm excited because we're oh, going to be at the same place. Oh, be there. And my brother's... Who is... Oh, great. Mary yeah. Mary Angel, the, your adopted daughter and your brother is going to be there. And yes. Celine, your mother is going to be there, who is a really classy woman. I have to say she's really a classy woman. Very. She doesn't you know, she doesn't say a lot. But when you get her to talk, it's a lot of meaning. There's a lot to be heard when she does speak. You don't want to miss a word. Yes. yes. She has a wisdom about her that I don't want to miss. When I hear Brad talking on the side of me, I'm like, shut up. I can't hear her. Like, I want to hear every word. <laughs> Poor Bradley. I love your husband, by the way. Well, good. You could have him. I'll no, leave him in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thanks so much for coming on Rich in Life. It was such a pleasure to have you on. I really encourage people. Kim Bruno, lovely. You can learn a lot. She, the energy that she puts out is just amazing. Thank so you. I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. Yes. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I miss you guys and I miss the kids and I can't wait to see you. You know, uh, Gunner is going to be very happy when I told him we had the podcast today, but he's going to be disappointed that he didn't get to talk to you. No, I know. <laughs> Did you guys, are, are you guys, uh, Okay. No, never mind. Yeah. Okay. You could ask. I'll see you at Christmas. I have a little surprise for you. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. I'll see you then. Great. Bye. Take care. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Bye. That was terrific, Kim. Oh, hi. Hi. How's it going? Uh, it's good. Good. So, uh, yeah. Kim, that's terrific. I mean, you're such a great speaker. I mean, you really are a great speaker. (laughs) Yeah. You you guys look amazing, huh? Uh, Not Brad, just me. (laughs) How is it back home uh, in Freezing. Canada? Like snowing, like minus seven. Ice. I tried to get somewhat dressed for you. I had on a nice button down shirt. I was so freaking cold. I'm like, no. oh, she's calling from Florida and I'm freezing. And we have the well, heat on. You know what? I um, I had a nice little Chanel sweater on and like the little earrings. And then I was like, you know what? Let's make it casual and relax. And, you know, I think it'll be funner that way. Perfection. I love your room. I love, you know, it's very minimal. It's all no, no. I like it. It's very white. It yeah. doesn't seem. I like it. It's all white. It's minimal. 
It's uh, sorry, I didn't even make the bed. So oh, I didn't even. I can't even. <laughs> wait a minute, I can't even notice that you didn't make the bed. How did you not make the bed, knowing you? I, I was I gonna know. be. I love but you. But you said it was a podcast. I figured nobody was gonna see anyway. No, I'm gonna see. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's fine. You're cool. <laughs> <laughs> everything you do, I I just find to be adorable and endearing. I think everything you do, I find to be adorable and endearing. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys. Did you guys no. uh, get to talk about the 24th? Um, no, not yet. I, I'm to, hearing it for the first time now. What's the 24th? She wants to. She wants us to go to Disney. How far is that? Three hours. Like one drive. Is there a helicopter we can take or something? There's a plane. <laughs> <laughs> not you're not hanging up. Are the kids are going to go for three hours in a car? Well, so she's going. We can take one. two cars. Right. But right. She's staying over at an Airbnb for one night because there's one night that's an animal. Yeah. Because right? we're doing Universal on the 23rd. But the kids would love it. I, the kids would love it so much. I, I got to just figure out a way how we're going to keep them in a car for three hours. Yeah. It, is it really three hours? Like that's the yeah, real or like is it four three hours? Three hours and 15 minutes. Well, right now it says three. I just did it on a ways and it said 310. Oh, okay. So, and do you stop along the way? I mean, it's really like going to the Hamptons. Yeah. Brad and I used to do that when we were, you know, before, Yeah. <laughs> excuse me, many years ago, we used to drive three hours each way, but the kids kind of, after one hour, they get very antsy. But... When they get their vaccine, they said, how long is, is it 50 minutes? How long is 50 minutes? Are we there yet? Are they... <laughs> no, no, but we can maybe rent a very comfortable, you know, kind of a van thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, and it would be on the 24th. So we would go for the day. Yeah, exactly. I'll, we're gonna we're gonna be there because I rented an Airbnb for the night of the twenty third. Uh -huh. I think Universal maybe is a bit more for older kids. I think that they would love Harry Potter, but I think at nine, like the other rides, I don't know. I for my cousin is nine and he's small for a lot of rides, but I think Animal Kingdom is, you know, it's a, it's a it's an easy park. There's a lot of walking, but it closes around five. So if we leave around five five thirty, we'll be back home by eight thirty. Um, on the way back, I can take the kids in the car. So that way they have, you know, other things to talk about or other people to talk to. Like we can switch cars for the way back right, right. and uh, make it entertaining. But I think it would, I don't know if they've never been, have they been? No, me, we sit on the beach and they mix my drinks for me. Oh yeah. Okay. So I think the kids would love that. I'm sure they would love it. Okay. I, so we're, we're going to talk about Kingdom. magical kingdom is the one that you want to go to, but. And if we Google it, we can see what it's about. Yeah, but now it's all booked. The only two that are left is Epcot or Animal Kingdom, but Epcot is more like adult. It's more like a food from around the world kind of right. things from around the world. As like science. Yeah. So wait, the, so you're going to be there, but you're not staying there the whole time. You're only going for one night. You're, you're going there for two night, nights. Two one night. One night, but two days. Uh, yes. You're going to be there for Christmas, I'm assuming. No. For the 23rd and 24th. Oh, when's Christmas? The 25th. 25th. Oh, I see. Okay. The 25th, okay. we'll be sitting on the beach uh, with you guys. Good. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about it and see. I, I just want to see yeah. logistically the, the hours of driving, what that's going to be like, but we'll talk about me it. driving. Of course you're I driving. Figured, I figured it is. And you, he'll probably send you alone while he stays on the beach. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. That's an, also an option. But wait, why does everything seem so old fashioned now? Driving three hours just seems old fashioned. There's got to be a way to get there faster. Well, you can I go mean, other, plane, but then no, the I time know. to get to the airport. Yeah, exactly. That's I no right. And it's probably expensive too. Again. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And three hours is really not that long. We did it all the no. time. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll see. How's your mom? She's great. Uh, we're having fun. It's different here. The vibe is very different. Uh, we're not on the beach anymore, right? You're so in Brickell now? You're in in uh, Midtown. You're Midtown, Miami. So I'm really at the line of the design district. So all the nice stores are here. There was a lot of things for Art Basel. And on the other side, we have Wynwood a little bit further um, that had, you know, all the, the walls. It's super nice. But the area is very clean. It's much cleaner than South Beach, better crowd than yeah. South Beach. We have a cute little condo on three floors. So we have uh, two bedrooms and, and a pull-out couch that's like a queen-size bed. And we have a huge rooftop terrace with barbecue, outdoor kitchen, hot tub, the whole, it's the penthouse, right? So we have like the big view of South Beach and the water. It's super, super nice over here. Um, but yeah, I miss the beach. 
I know you're a beach person. I know you're a very yeah. big beach person. Well, you're going to come to us on the beach and we're going to come to you because we did like Wynwood when we went and we liked the shopping area. So yeah, yeah. we're going to, you'll come to us. We'll come to you. Yeah. And where did you guys reserve? Did you go back to W? I finally, I was able to get a room at the W. I mean, over. in the beginning, it was like ridiculous. Two million, million points dollars. over. Yeah. 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 Two over 2 million points. I'm like, that's crazy. I mean, and then somebody finally gave me a telephone number of somebody that can help. It's he's called the points guy. <laughs> and you know, you know, of course it costs a little, of course it, it costs a little bit of money, but whatever I, we're able to go there. So well, that's good. It's, I, it's great. I'm excited. And I can't wait to see you. And I can't wait to see your mom. Me too. Me too. And the dogs. Oh my God. They got and the, the dogs. best haircut, you guys. The haircuts? Oh, they got, they got groomed. And I realized how terrible they looked at the beach. Cause I posted a picture this morning with Grayson on my Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And the dog, they have like hair in their face and you're just like Ugh. wait but i just saw chloe and she still looked fluffy yes yeah, but not like she looked messy wait I'll oh, i you. liked it i thought she looked so cute with the big bubbly fur they're so beautiful i don't know oh, if you can see so cute I, of course i could see i gotta tell you kim the fact that grayson was picking up your dogs and right? wanted to play i walked her to her friend yesterday and she sees a dog and she just goes around. She avoids every oh, yeah. <laughs> dog. And so, yeah, it was really, I got to tell you, that was growth. So maybe I'll leave you the dogs for a night when you guys. No, are <laughs> no, don't. That scares me. Don't. You'll stay with us. Stay with us. <laughs> yeah. If anything, if we get upgraded and we have an extra room, you can stay by us. Do you know they used to freaking up, upgrade us and over upgrade us? Like there was one time. Care. Well, yeah, it's different. There was a, there was a guy who was gay who was behind the thing, and he was like, you know, at, we'd check into the room, we'd stay there for two days, and in yeah. two days he'd say, "Trust me, I have a room for you." I'm like, I'm not in the mood to move. He goes, "Trust me, you're gonna want to move." He's like, "I'm giving you this room." It was like a three bedroom on the top it's floor. Wow. So of course we move this, but they don't do it anymore. They're too crowded. We lost our, the romance is gone with us and them. You know, in the beginning, they loved having us. And the guy that loved us, the, the gay guy that was behind the, um, yeah. the thing, he's not there anymore. Oh, and that's so like, yeah. So we're just like the same now. Oh, two yeah. Now we're, basics. now we're the two basics. Yeah. Nobody likes you anymore. No, we're the generic plane wraps. Now we come in and nobody now gives a shit about it. To the first floor. Yeah. Now we upgrade. Now we downgrade them. <laughs> anyway thanks for coming on i look forward Our to pleasure. seeing you okay you. bye guys take bye. care listening to rich in life with rich arani if you liked what you've heard click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes or visit us at richinlife.com that's r-i-t-c-h in life.com